If you're an ugly midget, how do you moisten up the vagina of an entire nation? Going to find out the answer to that and more on this exciting edition of Death Metal Dudes. Of course, we're on part two of old Charlie Manson. Um, just a few things I wanted to glaze over before we get into is number one, uh, if you liked last week, you're a saint. I didn't think it was a good episode. I think we got the information packed in there. We were just both out of it. Yeah. I fucking, both of my podcasts honked last week. My grandpa, they found like some giant lump in his chest. And they went to uh, CAT scan it. Uh-huh. So j- my fucking wife kept texting me about that. And uh, still don't even know what happened, which has been over a week now. So I got to assume that it's nothing serious. So they would have fucking told him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. hopefully that's the case. But anyway, my brain was just a little bit out of it. So I don't I don't know. I don't. It's not like I go back and listen. And even if I do, I wouldn't be a fair judge. So, you know, if you thought it was a weaker episode, you're fucking right. <laughs> yeah, I just was sick. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, but we're going to not let it get away from us and come back for a fucking rip-roaring second episode. We're this one, we're going to try to get to the meat of exactly how Charles was able to put a cult together. And uh, it's a weird thing. To, like, we don't... we I didn't decide to do this. Like, there is a Charles Manson movie coming out, and that probably is what got it stuck in my head. But I didn't decide to do this based on that, or I would have done it, like, the week that it came out. It's just we've been, like... We did um, Anders Breivik... And then we did right into Charles Manson and everything that's going on in the last week with that uh, fucking shooting in New Zealand is synced, synced up with it. It's real weird because like the Anders Breivik thing, I made per a couple of fucking ding dong mistakes like in that podcast yeah. about like the reason, not the reason why he shot it up, but basically I thought that he shot. This is my just dropping the ball and like looking into the important facts to me because every other, every podcast and everything that I heard about him just basically all ripped on him um, his fucking manifesto because he ripped it off. Yeah, it wasn't original. It was long as shit, fucking boring, and all the meat of it, the good parts, were lifted from easily traceable sources. And so there was no reason to go back and hammer on that to me. And then the meat, like all the, where he trapped that group on the island and opened fire on them and killed 70 or whatever the fuck it was. 69. I don't I think. know. Anyway, point being is that it was, I did say it was like the workers, like I've been, there's been like 10 people complained to me about this. So it just, not that I particularly care, but I don't want to be like way off base. Yeah. I did say it's like the workers youth league and that, um, I thought that it was like a bunch of refugees and shit and uh, people that had moved into Norway. They were like conglomerating as a socialist mm. function, like learning how to do certain. It, it, basically, what it was is a socialist party platform to like where you would go and learn like like a young Republicans convention, but for socialism. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I guess that that is what he was blaming all the immigration on was that party of politics. Mm -hmm. So that's why he opened fire on that. There was a few teenagers from Georgia, uh, but whatever. But but the reason why, instead of just like listening to, oh, you were wrong, (laughs) which is fine. I got no problem with that. I'm say, oh, I'm not fucking a smart man. (laughs) This isn't my like research isn't my thing. It's just a de facto thing. And luckily, 
our friend Andy Campbell, who is good at research, has like stepped up and been helping us out with this shit big yeah. time. Uh, but anyway, like that mass shooting that just happened in New Zealand. I dove in like an absolute idiot to this 8chan shit last weekend after it happened because everyone like I just saw that he live posted the video and of course oh, maybe shit. I wanted to see the video and that's where I ended up finding it at but like the original thread and then I had never heard of 8chan before so I started digging around and looking Is this at the that. guy that they he was like it starts out where he's inside of a building and like shoots somebody shoots a bunch of people on the head that are like laying down and then goes out in the streets and shoots some lady and then gets in his car? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that what that was. I saw that and I was like, "What the fuck am I watching?" Yeah, right now? well, dude, what's crazy about it is is like in, even in the first Charles Manson episode, the the reason why I wanted to hit on Charles Manson is just because the, the Anne Brevik is the way that the internet is right now. It, I I'm not trying to make a call for censorship or any of that dumb shit. It's just like the sword and scale guy was crying. You have absolute freedom to basically do whatever you want to. Is my point, and that's all well and good. I think the only problem, and this is not something that we should police at all, it's just weak-minded people are so easy to talk into ideology. And so what happened here is you have this shit called 8chan, and there's you know 4chan and all these fucking, yeah. all these super free speech enabling websites. And that's great. You should be able to, like, look, we're disgusting. We say terrible things yeah. all the time. So it's not me shitting on that principle of, of basic human decency that I believe we should all have, absolutely. It's just that when they gather together and start being edgy and try to out-edgy one another, and then you get these groups where they, they end up believing the dumb shit that they're saying as a fact, like they're like there's some for whatever, like genetically one type of person is better than another one and that we are burdened with wiping out the rest of it so we can have what's ours. Like basically Thanosing the earth based on yeah. on the principality of your fucking genetics. Like that's silly in and of itself. But then you get a group together where you get, have, you know, group think and everyone approves of what you're doing. And then everyone gives you attention for what you're doing. Uh -huh. And then you want more of that attention. And so you're trying to post things and one up people and be edgier and be darker and be funnier. And all this shit just culminated in a guy taking those ideas and enacting a mass shooting. Yep. Just to get internet points. That's his fucking insanity. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, Man. but, it, but, it, but the, a, a good look into the psychology of all this is something like Charles Manson because pre internet is just the type of shit that happened is you would run into somebody like this, or if you were in Los Angeles, Hollywood, and you heard about somebody that was weird like this, and you wanted to be weird and you wanted to be different, you ended up hanging around somebody like this. Yeah. Like, even if you look at the, a much milder version of what Charles Manson was doing with what Anton LaVey was doing, who Anton LaVey also knew, I mean, with, in a way, way smarter than Charles Manson. Never caused anybody any harm. Just was, uh, he knew that he was trolling people. Yeah. He knew that he was being funny. He knew that he could make people think that he was being evil and worshiping the devil and bringing evil spirits up from hell. He knew that he could make people think that and then make fun of those people with what he was doing. Yeah. Like old school, before the internet trolling. And he did it in some ways that were fucking hilarious. But that attracted people like Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah. And, and celebrities that wanted to come, Jane Mansfield, celebrities that wanted to come around. And then sometimes it got too real for him. Like Jane Mansfield and him were like fucking. And it, she was married at the time and it caused like a big rift in her fucking marriage, of course, because she's having sex with another man. And the dude was going to like like put a gun on Anton LaVey. And then they ended up getting in a fucking car wreck and she died. Like it was a, a giant mess. Yeah. But it's just like, to people 
that are in Hollywood and places where, again, pre-internet, places where you're supposed to be a polarizing different type of person, you just get sucked into dumb shit. And it was really easy to do. And so, you know, a lot of people that are, are occult-minded people mm-hmm. uh, or like hot topic-minded people think yeah. that Charles Manson was like a really smart guy. And it, what I at least wanted to frame out in the first episode is he's not that smart. He is really street smart, and he is adaptive to his circumstances. Like that, that, like he went through some horrible, horrific shit, but he rose to it. He became a part of it. It just, it, like he grew with it. You know, his mom is a fucking thieving prostitute. He watched yeah. her. He learned from that. He ended up going to boys home where boys were raping each other. He watched them do it, and then he learned to do it, and then he did it himself. And so he just ended up. Uh, he just ended up again becoming like a master of crime you know what i'm saying and as he mastered crime he started committing the crimes and it's easy to see his life trajectory where it aimed to how he became i mean he basically is just a shitty car salesman yeah. he's a fucking con man he's a multi-level marketing guy he's trying to sell you like a juice cleanse yeah and, and it just it so happened that it ended up in people getting murdered because he just kept trying to push it and take it too far and trying to find more things that were more edgy to make more people go whoa I mean, that really is the gist of, of what occurred here. Yeah. And, and so some of the things that I, I feel like I probably tiptoed over in the first one is that when he started being a pimp, um, mm-hmm. I, we got to the meat of the whole thing, the first girl that he pimped out, why he did it, because he learned it in prison, figured out how to do it, and then went out and did it. But I skipped over the emotional aspect of it, whereas like when he wrote about it in his autobiography, he he said that he it bothered him like he sent his girlfriend up i mean basically what he was told on how to pimp somebody in prison was you you make them love you more than anything you become everything they have yeah. you're their support system you're their boyfriend you're having sex with them obviously uh, like you just make a very intense relationship with them not just like we're going out every once in a while but like a living together breathing together yeah. hard attachment picnics yeah and then you fucking Get that it's so ingrained that what you're you know, and he was stealing and robbing people and doing hard crimes and and then that was easy for him to translate like you see all the crazy shit that I'm doing. What's not even as crazy is just you fucking other men for money. And he turned it into picnics with dicks. Yeah, and then the first time that he took that picnic basket to a picnic, he felt bad about it. Yeah. And he said that she loved it. She came out on cloud nine. I mean, I highly doubt that. But that's just the type of person that this motherfucker is yeah it's like okay i'm he he's always had a god complex it's like i'm taking on this burden for you mm-hmm. he felt like he felt like when he was pimping out women that he was the one because he liked them mm-hmm. that was taking the burden because he someone he liked was having sex with someone else liberal like jesus yeah it's just have you seen that shirt no but I saw somebody wearing a shirt that said "Liberal like Jesus." <laughs> was it at a Love's truck stop? <laughs> uh, no, nope. uh, they buy it at a Love's truck stop. Probably not, man. They probably got it somewhere. That's not really the most popular opinion about Jesus—that he was liberal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, that libtard! <laughs> he doesn't like no gays. And he doesn't like when you don't own a slave. Yeah. And also, uh, I mean, we talked about how hard of a life Manson had in prison. I mean, he was in the system from the time he was fucking 12 until 19. Yeah. Which is where you form your sexuality, your opinions, 
your conversational skills. It all fucking comes together for your entire life. It's shit that you don't break away from. It's how you become, it's how you become who you are. That is that time period. So that's what he is at this point in time. He's a hardened fucking criminal. I mean, he's raped. He's been raped. It's just the way that his life is. Uh, obvious, that doesn't absolve him of anything. No. It's just what you have to understand that the more he talks, the more he starts to spouse his own quote unquote ideology. Yeah. You can, like, I think that we've gone in this episode and pieced together where he got it from, how he used it. So he's definitely a product of his environment. Exactly. Yeah. Nothing more to do than to fucking dig into this. And where we left off at is that he had just come out of prison and he caught the 10 years for fucking prostitution. Like, the, the, he had uh, gone off to Mexico, escaped that. Or ran away from Mexico, came back and faced the time, did the 10 years. And once he got out, this when he started attracting his fucking group of followers. Now, this is in 1969. So we got to think about, you know, remember that I was saying he did not want to leave prison. He begged the parole board to keep him in prison. That's what he wanted. He wanted to stay in jail. He did not want to get out of jail. And the reasons being is because he was having a great fucking time because he had gone from... The, nothing was as bad as the boy home that he was in. It was just a continual upgrade. It felt like freedom to him. And he had been in like work camps. You know what I mean? Yeah. He just had it fucking hard as shit. And so the prison he was in, there was that fucking uh, creepy, the dude that was named Creepy teaching him how to play guitar. So he learned how to play guitar. And then, you know, he was the most annoying motherfucker in prison because he was just rolling around and singing his shit-ass songs at everybody. But he loved doing it. I mean, looking at his autobiography over the weekend, like that, he said that that's when he felt confident. That's the only time he felt like in his entire life, even all the way until he was manipulating people to do whatever he wanted to. That's the only time that he felt confident in being himself. He's doing it through tunes and poons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just kept making music. And boy, does it dog shit. It's bad. <laughs> There's not one. I would rather listen to that than the Beatles, honestly. Yeah, but the Beatles are bad. The Beatles are bad. Bad. I don't like that no, shit. No, it's terrible. I would rather I, listen I, to I, Charles Manson. I don't know. Could we settle on listening to Ramallah covering the Beatles? <laughs> yeah, that's great. I'll do that with Blitter, yeah. the typo. Anyway, yeah, this shit sucks. He's not good at music. But uh, the the thing is, is that because that is what's giving him relief in prison, that is what his whole life becomes based on. They should have just kept his dumb ass in jail. But no, that's not how prison works, funny enough. Like, they don't, they have no interest in rehabilitating anyone they never have and they never will it's, i really wonder if he really wanted to stay in prison i mean he probably did dude, but yes he did for sure you know usually if he wants to he's gonna sabotage himself somehow like, oh he will <laughs> well i know he will but i mean why not do it before they let no, you No, he go? tried to because yeah. remember he was gonna get out early he ended up serving his whole fucking term yeah it was like nothing else you know what i'm saying yeah anyway and, and, I mean, what do you do to he didn't want to get himself. his fucking guitar taken away i don't that was the last episode dude okay he didn't want to get his fucking guitar taken away from him didn't want to get banned from being able to do the only thing like that's what he liked in prison he just wanted to stay there and make music mm. and uh and then and it, you know it's coming out at the end of the 60s which is like the entire time that he's been in there the fucking free love hippie movement across America has totally bloomed and become a thing that he can just walk into. Yeah. And you know, the type of music that he's making is like shitty, horrible 1940s. Fuck. I don't even know what to call it, but it's, he's not folk music. He's not <laughs> with the times. Like he's not doing what's 
popular mm-hmm. now. So that's a hindrance to him for sure. Yeah. And uh, just coming out and, and but then also not knowing what's going on on the outside. I mean, he just walked into the perfect environment for you to be a creepy bitch in. Yeah. If you're going to like pretend to be some fucking sex yoga guru, there's no better place to do it than where he is. Is he playing at. like a shake, baby shake, but like more fucking slow. Have you never heard Charles Manson before? Yeah, no, I have. Yeah, okay. It sounds the same all the way till the end. It's yeah. never changed. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, scavenger. Scavenger. I'm a scavenger. Vulture coming down from the sky above and touching my fucking asshole. It stinks, dude. So he sounds like a fucking. Um, less sexual Dwight Yoakam. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Dwight Yoakam's got some too. Yeah, that uh, dude kind of bangs. I don't, I didn't get that comparison at all. I don't either. Yeah, yeah. So he ends up getting it. out of prison March 21st, 1967. Uh, he got permission to move to San Francisco, which as long as it was in state, he was cleared. And uh, somebody that he knew in prison got him set up in a nice apartment in Berkeley, which of course the idea is that he's going to go and panhandle and play his guitar. And that's what Alvin creepy Carpus instilled upon him. Like you can actually go out and make a living busking. And that this was the area for it. I mean, Berkeley, California at the time was the liberal hotbed. Like there wasn't such a thing as homeless anymore. You were just part of this community. So you people would fucking go out of their way to support anybody. So that was, if you were just a fucking hobo bumbling around and you wanted to live on the streets, that was the golden era. You could have a great time fucking living in Berkeley in San Francisco. Um, And he begged and he was just out in the streets and he grew long hair, grew a beard, just kind of started blending in. Which, and again, and now it doesn't like no one, the idea of the people that were in their 20s at that time who was just fuck jobs. Mm. Fuck careers. That's not what life is about. Life is about dropping out and just letting your mind guide you somewhere. Drop it out. Tuning in. Yeah, people weren't looking for somebody to be a a clean-cut success. They were just looking for a dirtbag to make them feel like they're loose and free. And that's how he met Mary Bruner. She graduated from the University of Wisconsin-Madison and just wanted to be in the area. So she transferred, and she was working as a library assistant at the UC Berkeley. Manson instantly ended up moving in with her. But because that they were having wild fucking tantric ass sex. And she, you know, what's crazy is that it's an autobiography. Like he luridly details for a long time the type of fucking that they were doing. She was a librarian. She was a fancy thinking cunt. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, dude. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Why? (laughs) You know why? Yeah, that's true. Uh, You know why? (laughs) Man, boy. You know, that's how he thought. Yeah, but he was just deep digging, holding it in there for a long time. And uh, he was just like fucking bonding with her and espousing. I mean, when he was in prison on this bid, he got into all types of religions. And most notably and hilariously is fucking Scientology. Apparently, Scientology, like, you know, the thing that fucking L. Ron Hubbard did is that he uh, really locked down 
that area because he knew that the more stars he got on board with Scientology, the quicker it was going to spread, the more popular it would become. The more people that everyone likes proclaim to be a part of Scientology, obviously, the more people that have TV, watch movies, can see these people being in Scientology, they're going to try to find out about it because they want to be that person. Classic media manipulation, which as far as, you know, using fucking... Alistair Crowley type magic that it really is the the best which, use of it of all time. Which is the right. I mean, like there is definitely like a, a school of thought, if you will, about motherfuckers thinking that uh, Manson probably was like part of an MK Ultra program. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I try to when we were in some something serious. I try to not dance down conspiracy theory yeah. lane too much because there's just no fucking way. No, yeah, no, um, no, no, no. He's just a kook. Yeah, he's just a kook. But uh, as crazy people do, they fixate on things. And he was down fucking religious road. And uh, he went through a lot of different shit. But in prison, like I said, dude, he was really into um, Scientology. And then when he came out, um, like he before he fucking. And I mean, you know, in, in his in his autobiography and the biography Manson, the life and times of Charles Manson. Supposedly, Manson did 150 hours of auditing, which auditing is when you like sit down with an officer of Scientology and you tell them like they basically just brainwash you. You tell them, here's the problems that I've done. Here's the bad things that I've done. Here's what I want to do right. That's what you're like going clear is like spilling all that out and then them telling you what you're supposed to be doing. That's like also a punishment. And uh Apparently, 150 hours is a ton of fucking time that like lifelong Scientologists have been like, I mean, that's more than I've done. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's 150 hours of hour sessions. So 150 different times he like beat into his head these things about Scientology. So essentially he was a fucking expert on the matter. You know what I mean? And uh, what's hilarious is that when Charles Manson was asked about why he got out of Scientology, he said, because it's too crazy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. that'll. Uh, but I mean, obviously, Scientology is crazy. I mean, if you've checked out our Jack Parsons episode, you will know that L. Ron Hubbard was a student of Aleister Crowley. Yeah. And he basically took his principles and went off and formed a fucking wildly successful cult based on it. Yeah. So. Wild times to be called crazy by Charles Manson, but sometimes the pot and the kettle merge into one beautiful cacophony mm. of fucking space cum, and that's what happens. Yeah. So he took a lot from that, and I and I would have a feeling that being in prison and there was probably people that knew about the backstory of L. Ron Hubbard, that he was influenced a little bit by Crowleyan thought. Yeah. Like, he, he at least understood the general concept of manipulation through what some people would call like chaos magic. Like you basically lie so hard to somebody's face that you make it come true. Yeah. Because, and if he did, I mean, he had to, if he didn't hear that per se, that he definitely, well, that's just the path of a psychopath. That's true. I I don't think he was a psychopath. I I think he was more of a a sociopath. sociopath. Because he's just so like, not like nothing gets in the way of Charles. Like he, he has the ability to be incredibly nice to women and, and, make people feel great, but only to get what he wants. Yeah. So like I said, nothing stands in the way of him. I mean, 
You know, this not fucking, even a librarian. Yeah, I mean, this librarian probably never been like eaten out before. And here's Charles yeah. fucking munching box for hours at a yeah. time. He's like, man, I don't mind it. Telling you that he's God, telling you that you're God. And he's probably like, man, I've eaten a hairy ass. This is a lot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's a honey nut Cheerio yeah. down there around that hair. I love it. Yeah. And like one thing that he said in his autobiography about uh, like <laughs> about when he got caught raping that. You remember way back in the boys home where he got in super trouble. This was like the first time that we pointed out that he was really sabotaging himself to stay in as he got caught raping the other kid with an exacto knife he said that the kid wanted him to do it but charles said he would take the blame if they got caught uh which is that's charles like when i read his autobiography i could just it's so easy to tell how full of shit the guy is again yeah. still it's like you turn off being a sociopath everything is still like even though he's already in like he doesn't even want out of prison and he still doesn't want to look bad <laughs> it's just so silly yeah. but this motherfucker uh, like what stuck out to me the most, he's like, he wanted me to stick it in his ass, and uh, I said, no problem. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> it's like you know, he's not gay, but he's down to get one to get his yeah. fucking rocks. He likes gross. Hey, that's sociopath shit too. It's just like he wants to come, whatever avenue there is, he's gonna bust. Hmm. So th- you know that will continue throughout his life. Uh, he after he was in a in a relationship, and again like. The angle he's taking with Mary Bruner is essentially that of a pimp and a prostitute. He knows, even if he's not going to pimp her out, that the key to having her be around and pay for him to live is to brainwash her and make her fall into him and think that he is the most important thing in her life. And that's all. Like, if you've ever dated a girl that's had, like, a sh- like been just like wanted to be led around because they had the same type of abusive shithead in their life that yeah. just made them feel like I'm the only thing that you have. Yeah. Like that just is something that gets well, this is what's people. normal. I, I like whenever somebody calls me a fancy thinking cunt. And so, <laughs> You're going to double down on it. Yeah, but I'm being serious. I mean, that's if it makes you feel miserable because that's the way you felt your whole life, then that's normal, man. And, then, yeah. and that's the type of people – you know, they get preyed upon by by Charles Manson. Sure. And what, and what Charles was doing is he was hanging out in the Haight-Ashbury area now that he's dating uh, Bruner. And, and Haight's got an income thanks to her. Um, he had all types of other girlfriends that he ended up meeting. At, at one time, they had Bruner's apartment with 18 different 20-year-old, 20-ish-year-old women in it. Like, like early 20s. Women. This fucking he's five foot four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like a scraggly ass dude. But he was just able to peep like I said, just right place, right time. Because he was like basically saying that he was a guru, which was a word to pick up because you know, you had like the source restaurants and you had all these yogis coming over and doing like kundalini yoga and shit. Yeah. Harry Krishna was the uh, fastest growing religion in that time period. Right. And because it just, it, if you're trying to live like a healthy, wholesome, natural off the beaten path lifestyle, doing yoga, being vegetarian, being as natural as possible, because you got to think that the fifties and the early sixties, America was getting so streamlined. I mean, it's after world war two is you see the rise of TV dinners and convenience foods and the television programs that you want to watch being centered around you getting off work, coming home, having dinner, and then coming on at the right time for right after you get done with dinner. And then you watch TV until the news comes on. And then after the news, you go to bed. I mean, they just basically streamlined America to yeah. make everybody maximum production. So the people who caught on to that and wanted to drop away from that, hence the 
the um, tune in and drop out. Yeah. That to tune in meant like drop out of regular culture. Stop watching TV. Stop eating convenience food. Get away from what you're being sold. There's some great tenets to that. Yeah. Because you can see that that is still what's driving our country. That's the fucking the way that like. I don't even think that the U.S. would be considered like pure capitalism anymore. Yeah. But the way that we're driven by corporations is just you want to make people feel like they're doing all this on their own accord. You go to college, you get a good job, you work this way, and you'll be rewarded with these things. Yeah. That is like the bullet that you take to live it. Like that's just the what was designed, and this is the time that it was really in full effect after World War II. Because, like I said, it was completely driven by television. Mm-hmm. So you're watching people get things. You want these things. You have to work to get these things, and those things are coming on the TV right when you can fucking tune your kids out after you're done eating dinner. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's all like a neat package. So people that want to get away from that and want to do yoga, eat natural, and learn about Eastern culture, it's just a perfect time for somebody who knows just enough about Eastern culture to come and be a complete fraud at it and, and let me fuck tell you, your life up. Let me tell you from experience, me and Chris have both been and seen the Haight-Ashbury Park. It's as stinky as it was in the 70s. Oh, they're still great. There's a lot of fucking hippies just hanging out there. That just is a fact. Stinking away. <laughs> you know? And I bet there's some fucking people out there eating some stinky beavers and sucking stinky dicks. Oh, yeah. It's Stink City. <laughs> it's bad. Stink Snacks. I mean, we drove Once by. Once you crack open the onion We didn't patch. even go in. We just drove by with our windows rolled down, and, we, and it was hot as fuck. And we rolled our windows up because of the stink. Yeah. It was a fucking <laughs> bad time. Bad time. Love that place. I love I love that area. San it, Francisco. It was the fucking worst time. Um you know, what Charles got most of his ideology in my mind from the Process Church of the Final Judgment. Where do I make this connection out from listening to Integrity, of course? Oh, yeah, <laughs> because yeah. Integrity got a lot of like their aesthetic from the Process Church. Uh, the Process Church of the Final Judgment was like a fringe cult. They believed that Satan was going to come to reconcile Christ that not, like he wasn't going to come back for revenge that they were going to come team up together and judge humanity as a team and then work together and that is uh you know it, it's not too like it's it's t- it took a lot from Crowley and the OTO and and kind of branched off into his own thing by this crazy fucking hippie whose fucking name I forgot it's inconsequential the recent time that I saw him was on that vice show um, fuck my ass. Uh, the, about drugs. What the fuck is it called? Oh, Hamilton's Pharmacopia. Yes, Hamilton's Pharmacopia. This dude. It, there's an episode of that where this guy is like making a case for fucking PCP, and uh, so he like go, like the Hamilton dude. The show rips because this guy Hamilton is like a nerdy looking dude, and he goes around and takes these hard ass drugs, and he always does better on the drug than like the experienced user. Like for example, he goes to New Mexico where they're taking toad and, uh, everyone is like licks, like gets the fucking five Oh one M DMT or whatever. And, uh, trips the fuck out, lays on the ground, barfs, loses their mind is rolling around. And then this fucking dude just takes it. No problem. He goes to the desert and takes peyote with like Native Americans, and they're all like, 
this is the heavy spiritual part, and they're all freaking out, and this motherfucker is just stone cold, like, yep, I'm feeling something or other. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, he just, like, can do everything, but this fucking guy uh, was a was a well-known member of the fucking Process Church, this dude, uh, Timothy Wiley. He's, like, an artist, and the Hamilton dude interviews him, and this dude has been doing PCP every day since the fucking 60s, and cocaine, and is like an old man. He looks frail and shit, but he's still like doing all right. Yeah. But yo, he's like, I, yeah, I've been doing PCP. He's like, I took PCP, and I swam in the ocean to communicate with dolphins, and dolphins are smarter than humans, and they communicate with each other by leaving messages from the future inside sand dollars. Whoa. <laughs> so that's the type of shit that Charles Manson is like encountering. But the process church was to me, it's almost it's it's kind of a fucking like lark on LaVey Satanism yeah. because it's this group of people who took some of Aleister Crowley's ideas and tried to make them even more edgy because they lean the more towards Team Satan as far as I fucking and it, it, this isn't like a very like it's a still not a widely known sect. They they were like really good at making propaganda. Like the most the, what they're most famous for is making like striking artwork and pamphlets that people would look at in the Hate Ashbury area. Well, now Charles Manson lived a block away. Neither one of them really acknowledged that they had a lot of dealings with each other. However, there was a article by Manson in one of the Process Church's newsletters, which like I said, they were a fucking print media juggernaut at the time. Yeah. So I don't really know. I could be wrong. There's probably someone out there that knows more about this than me. That's fine. But in my mind, I think that Charles Manson was lurking around there and picking up on their aesthetic and their ideas and working them. And because he did it, he like when he was at his height, which we'll get into next week of like talking people into doing shit, he was all about Satan returning and this holy war and that like, where are you going to stand on judgment day? And where are you going to be with Satan? Are you going to be with Jesus? Because they're both going to come together. Like that is the same Line yeah. the toe is the process. Church. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, next week, if you guys reach out to us and you're in the Hot Springs area and you got some PCP, we're going to do it live in <laughs> yeah, studio. Yeah, yeah. And we'll tell yeah. you the rest of the story. Now, just make sure you're not a cop. I don't want to deal with no cop when I'm doing PCP. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get hot. Do you yeah. know, I feel like people get extremely temperate. You remember yeah. that the, all, the same episode of the Pharmacopia show is the dude that cut his dick off? No, I've like, never seen an episode Well, of this that. dude was like loosely a member of the Wu-Tang Clan, and he smoked PCP and thought that he was a fucking angel and cut his penis off Sweet. and jumped out of a window. That's what I'm And then he was do. like, yeah, I'm glad I cut my dick off because all I could ever think about is sex, and now it doesn't matter. It was like, Wow, that's a really... <laughs> Let me tell you something. This is what I want to do. Let me tell you something, brother. We're going to smoke some PCP. We're going to cut off our dicks, but we're going to crucify me on a cross, but the nails are going to be the dicks. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's no coincidence that because of his pedigree and pimping, the, the when he's walking around preaching to people, like more and more women start to flock to him. And one thing that is a selling point is like the tantric style of fucking that he's putting on them. Like it's, it really was free love city. People did want to blow fucking loads. People wanted the spray. People wanted the gas. People wanted the bust. Yeah. And Charles Manson was unlocking that. And he w- it didn't matter how you looked. He st- he made people feel like they were worth a, a not, when I say people he made women feel like they were worth a million dollars like it, everyone that would be traditionally considered ugly Charles didn't give a fuck 
he still fucked them the same long form way and still told them that they were beautiful, still told them that they were God. I mean, his worm, and it was because he was a, it was because he learned how to pimp women and he just used it to create this fucking cult following. And like I was saying in the first episode, when you, when you think now of a cult, you would think of like Jonestown, um, the Branch Davidians. And that is shit that took a lot of thought. This motherfucker is just doing it fly by night. Yeah, he's just coming up with things. He's the mad like if if you want to know who the fucking king of improv is, it dude, it's Charles Manson all fucking day. That dude rips at improv. Man, his old sex pieces just do what they're talking, man. You think he had a big? Home? He's got to have a. I don't know size wise, but it's got to be nice, and he Might certainly knows how to use it. Yeah. Dude. I mean, he's fucking beating guts at a fucking impressive rate. I mean, you know, when you gotta, I mean, you got 18 women hanging around to, that want to be a part of it. Yeah. But also, yeah. you know, things to keep on the side of fair and balanced, not to just make him sound super cool, is that, again, essentially everyone that was around was homeless. So given yeah. the idea of, like, a place to stay, and it, it, given that everyone is fucking everybody anyway, it's like... Yeah, perhaps they just wanted a floor to get fucked on. Yeah, you know you, what I mean, I mean, are you still gonna have the drugs are flowing? Yeah, yeah the drugs yeah. are flowing. You big still time. gotta have a fucking cool can opener, you know? Right. Now, when he starts to pick up his own ideology based on what he's doing with people, like he's figuring out what works and what doesn't work, what keeps women engaged and what keeps women disengaged. How does he become more? And of course, the answer is always Jesus. If you want to fucking lead a cult, you yourself have to be Jesus like you have to be sacrificing some part of yourself and save them. You have to be a savior. And that's exactly what he takes on. Liberal like Jesus. <laughs> you are fucking riding with that. <laughs> that's, that's so hilarious. You just I'm, I'm saw get, that shirt. I'm, get, I'm getting that no, shirt. That's for, yeah, that's a hilarious shirt to have. Shirt, but it's got to have a guitar on it. <laughs> a flaming SG. Yeah. Oh, no, dude. It needs like an ovation. <laughs> like those, a 12-string yeah, fucking dude. with like a little fucking leaves and an owl on yeah, it or some right, shit. <laughs> like the fucking circle holes on the top man, of it. Hey, you know, dude, what? time there's a there used to be this place in hospital called ronnie's guitar shop yeah oh ronnie and this guy from ovation came and did a seminar there and my dad was like yeah we'll go to that and so he took why (laughs) because it was like they were like if you buy these guitars now it's like be this much man we got done my grandpa goes that was queer (laughs) (laughs) come on down to ripping ronnie's where we're selling spoon shaped acoustics if you like a deep dumb sound to lead your youth group with we got some bangers here for you today we're blowing them out the door you got a designer skull on the back of your pants but only jesus christ could make you dance snag you an ovation and get them wet deep down in their play station i mean the thing is in the back part of it there was like a stage area with season shit but the dude was like doing some fucking like noodly goddamn fucking yeah. acoustic shit guitar sucks but dude. he got <laughs> but, but he gets done and my grandpa you can hear him he goes that was queer yeah, that <laughs> like rules, that dude. was the funniest yeah, shit yeah because that was queer because <laughs> i'm sitting there going like why are we here and then yeah. he says that and i was like that's why <laughs> prayers really do get answered yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that is a fucking like dave matthews band youth leader sort of fucking guitar uh, but yeah, so he he just tries to take on that uh, the entire group that are with Manson were re- reincarnated from the original Christians in Roman times, and the Romans are the modern form of the establishment. So they're being persecuted just like the twelve disciples were, as a result of society just knows 
that they are the original fucking from Nazarene Judea area Paul fucking Saul of Tarsus Christians. <laughs> it's been bred down into this group of people and he can sniff them out and he's bringing them together. And he, he of course, is Jesus. And the story that he tells to everyone is that he can feel in his hands and feet when he was nailed to the cross. And every night when he goes to sleep, he envisions himself being nailed there. He remembers it's ingrained in his mind. Like he knows where he's been. He knows where he's going. He's been sent back to earth to fucking reconcile with the devil, of course. And around 1967, he starts calling himself around the end of 1967. He starts calling himself Charles Willis Manson, which is like. Willis, huh? That's the that's the uh, that's what you changed your name up with, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. My name is Charles Manson, but now you could call me Charles Willis Manson. C W M. To him, that stands for Charles's will is man's son. <laughs> that's so fucking stupid, dude. Fuck, man. LSD was good back then. Yeah, I mean, it, it, like, I, I feel like I would be less likely to be talked into some shit on acid. Man. As soon as someone told me something, I'd be like, you are so fucking dumb. Man. Allow my brain to go off and focus on They did some of the wildest shit back there with that, man. I, I, got, a, I got a friend. Um, she's an old hippie, hippie lady. For, she used to follow the Grateful Dead around, but uh, she told me how they used to be able to get LSD around was they would fucking uh, drop it down on puzzle pieces. So it didn't look like, you know, it didn't look like hits of acid. Yeah. So people would just... That's th- the beauty of acid. They would just put the puzzle together and just drop it on each hit, and then everybody would take a piece of the puzzle and just fucking rip it, man. That's got to be where that shitty Tool song came from. <laughs> Which I shitty know. Tool song? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I know the pieces fit. You could suck my Bob's badass tit. Hey, real quick, we'll do a fucking mid-roll advertisement because I forgot up top. We're at motherfucking Vino's. This shit is very important and near and dear to our heart. March 30th, doors at 8 p.m. Show starts at 9 p.m. We got Chris Sloan and Mark that does the episodes of the Blowhole podcast and records our podcast and does all of our videography, photography, all of that shit. The all-around man doing some stand-up comedy. So be there at 9 to support him. And then our friend band from Memphis, Heels, absolutely rips. I would not put a bullshit band on our live show to make you fucking suffer. It's awesome. They're going to go on for a little bit, and then we're going to close it out. We're talking about some more fucking insane cases based around fetishes. Yeah. It's going to be disgusting, and it's going to be wild, and you're going to have the most fun that you could possibly ever have in Little Rock. So come the fuck out to that. Bring a dog dish to barf in. <laughs> yeah, it's only, it's, it's only five bucks, and we got a multimedia experience just revved up for you. Cannot wait to see you there and just get into a fucking live podcast where we're the last thing to go on, and we could do whatever we want to. It's going to be a ton of fucking fun. We hope to see you there. Uh, hit up warlordclothing.com if you want to get your own clothing from us. Trust me, it's great because it takes us five million years to do anything. As you know, if you're a patron, <laughs> you still haven't gotten your shirt. But uh, they're half mailed out. I get paid on Friday, and so I'll be able to cash the rest. Uh, and, uh, yeah, warlordclothing.com. Those are, dude, they're super nice people. Super helpful. I just ordered a bunch more shirts so we can have some for the live show. Yeah. And that guy, I mean, goes out of his way. Yeah. Very nice. Um, I could not recommend get, not just our shit. They've got a ton of shit there. Yeah. But, you know, if you listen to us. We're talking about Bruce, right? Our shit. Yeah, Bruce. Bruce is a cool motherfucker. Yeah, he's in that band Phobia. Salute to that guy. 
And uh, I like what they're doing over there at Warlord. You know, we're very, very fucking particular to turn down several stupid ass sponsorship opportunities. Really got to kneel, th- like make sure things line up with what we actually like. So salute yeah. to them. Um, fucking, you know, just tell your friends about it. Keep that up because uh, we're a movement, bitch. We love you guys. And that's what we're trying to do is just connect. We want to come around the country to you guys. We're coming to Albuquerque, New Mexico. When the fuck is that? It's- uh, August, right? Yeah, he said so. It, it just depends. Then he said, like, you know, the it's of August, September, August, yeah. late August. I think it's like yeah. August 17th. Well, yeah. we'll have more details on that. But anyway, yeah, we're just trying to fucking travel around. We're going back to Fort Worth at some point soon. So, yeah. you know, we're fucking stringing it together. We want to come see you. So the more people that know about this, the more likely that that could happen. So thanks for rocking with us. And uh, yeah, the advertisements in the middle. How about that fucking change Yeah, It's man. just because I forgot it. We yeah. had a stopping part. That's cool. <laughs> it's all right. Hey, yo, if you come out to these live shows, prepare for a party. We're partying. Oh, yeah. We also have a fucking, yeah, dude, our friend Lacey, uh, that's been a forever patron, is coming out from out of state to just hang out and is getting yeah. a suite. So if you actually listen to the podcast, chances are you're invited to come and get yeah. fucking ripped with us afterwards and destroy a hotel room. So. Or maybe you're... <laughs> Yeah, maybe you're cool and you just come after the podcast, but if you ain't, you leaving. Yeah, I really leaving. just want to see our crowd, you know what yeah, I mean? Like for people sure. that know what they're getting into so we can have a great That's fucking time. cool people, no weirdos. Nobody wants to jack a dog off and suck its dick. <laughs> Are you sure? Because I think you would like that. I would walk. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, when yeah. that dog got done yeah, coming. I mean, what would you do if, it's a, if, you, if you were on stage and you saw someone sucking a dog off? I would let the dog come. <laughs> I would get the you dog. You would never block a dog. I would never cock block no dog. You know dog. that boy wants to get a bus. Because you know he's just going to be like. Yeah, but <laughs> I'll take the dog out of that person's hands once a cream hits their face. Yeah. And kick him the fuck outside and then pet that dog. And be like, Man, you did a good job. <laughs> <laughs> and they gotta go. Yeah, you gotta kick them out. It's not the dog's freak. Fault. He doesn't know no better. Yeah, freak. He just fucking wants to get a bust. A dog's the biggest freak. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, they'll bust wherever. And they will fucking bust it up wherever, peak. whenever. Dogs want to bust forever. <laughs> it's a queen, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna come on your quinceanera, <laughs> dude. That's a fifteen-year-old yeah. birthday party. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah, dude. Your quinceanera is just a bunch of dogs busting all over <laughs> everything. The whole, the whole on time. Balloons, you right? just hang them all. Yeah, you hang them all up like pinatas, and they're just constantly <laughs> fucking busting all over the cake. Your fucking quinceanera dress. The guests. The fucking tequila shots. Yeah. Just dog you got, you got balloons tied down so they don't float up and you let dogs cream on them and then you cut the one string loose and then they all float up. You remember that MTV show, My Sweet 16? Yeah. Where they was like 16-year-old birthday parties. They should reboot it with my fucking sweet quinceanera. And then the first one just, <laughs> Papi! I wanted the dog to bust all over my party. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like, dogs, they just busting everywhere the whole time. <laughs> That's why you wear a sombrero, man. A sombrero full of dog bust. Yeah. You, you did chips into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is why we're That's the, called Brotel. Number one fucking <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> Metal podcast. Uh, yeah, so before the fucking summer of 67's over, eight or nine of Charles Manson's enthusiasts that were in that fucking awful brothel apartment come together and they decide to really do the full hippie experience, uh, but they're going to explore and find out where they want to be at. Now, Charles 
already knows that the good fucking drugs come through Los Angeles. He knows that stars are in Los Angeles. Again, very familiar with Scientology, so he knows if he wants to get the most influence that he can. And again, he wants to be a fucking musician. He wants to be a rock star. He thinks that he's fucking communicating with the Beatles, which we'll probably get into a little bit more, telepathically. Like, he is all about fucking music right now. And he thinks that, you know, he's like a... As a good example I could give you, if you'd listen to this and ever done open mics or comedy or anything related to show business at all, he's just the type of motherfucker that doesn't want to like buckle down and get really good at what he's doing and master it and then get well known off of being the best at what he's doing. He wants to take the shortcut and try to book fucking house shows and fucking travel around and meet people that he can use those people to introduce him to more people and just fucking like have this reputation of, well, he's not the best, but uh, yeah, I know Charles. He's cool. I'll vouch for him. Just that type of dumbass shit. You know what I'm saying? And, and bringing himself into the limelight on other people's backs. That's his game plan. And he probably stole a page out of L. Ron Hubbard's book, and he wants to go get in touch with all the celebrities that he can and get his fucking music out on their backs. So they try to go to Washington State, and then they go through Los Angeles to Mexico, all across the Southwest, and then he just keeps hammering on, like, oh, man, wasn't L.A. the best? It was the best of all. It was fucking the best. Um, Brett, this time, he fucking busted one in Bruner that took. She got pregnant in this traveling fucking hippie caravan. Sweet. Uh, they, they had their first child, Valentine Michael, which they called Pooh Bear. That motherfucker was born in an abandoned house in Topanga Canyon, which is right next to Los Angeles. Like, mm. basically, to get into Hollywood, you drive over Topanga Canyon. I know that from comedy. Okay. It's just you drive from the shit part of town into the shitter part of town, Hollywood, to get into the fucking Sunstep Strip where all the fucking Motley Crews and Poisons were at. Man, that's cool. I want to go there and do cocaine oh, and slap yeah. some ladies around. <laughs> <laughs> I hope someone just takes that clip. And puts it out. <laughs> it's completely out of context. Yeah, I want to go there and do cocaine and slap some ladies around. That's just your infamy. <laughs> that small clip, that small window into your mind. And I hope mine is the dog bus quinceanera. Yeah, pretty much, man. <laughs> That's where you bust. <laughs> man, yeah. there's a Sunset Strip bar where they let people fuck dogs up at. Eh, there probably was. It's an underground place. What's that? Rain, the Rainbow Room where Lemmy sat there all the time? Yeah, man. I guess he was just always there. In the back, there's a bunch of dogs in a pit. That's man. what I was going to say, dude. They just, there's like, if you want to come shake Lemmy's hand, you have to go and relieve the fucking dogs of all their built up bust in <laughs> man, the back this room. beer is real foamy. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking about whatever I fucking was like, man, I went to this dog pound and you were like, what? And I was like, man, I took some pictures, dude. And then I just sent you a picture of a human dick inside of a dog's ass. Yeah. Why did you do that to me? Man, I just typed in dog pound. <laughs> And that popped up, and I was like, man, this is a dog pound. Dude, I've you've probably sent me ten pictures of humans fucking animals over our friendship. Yeah. I mean, animals. <laughs> they make some people a horny. Anyway, Charles nah, Manson's first son. <laughs> uh, there are records that claim from the... When Charles Manson was on his whole fucking deal about being Jesus, of course, he preached against... 
materialism, which everyone at the time was doing. And that is also what Jesus did, too. And he was really able to read people and manipulate them, which, of course, is like, I mean, and that's that's like people that were there with him. That's always their biggest complaint is like how easy that they were conned by him. Yeah. You know, like uh, Big Patty, who was in fucking this fucking fat that was in prison that, uh, again, he loved equally. I mean, this lady had like everyone that met her talked about how hairy she was like oh. beard giant fucking bush big i'm sure patty. just big fucking hairy legs but you know he he told her she was beautiful told her that he loved her like as soon as in his autobiography he's talking he talks about roping her in it's like yeah as soon as we got done having sex we were laying together and i told her that she was beautiful and she said that's the first time someone said that to her after sex and that was it she was fucking hooked so it's just like he knows what you want to hear, which is a classic sociopath. And again, that's what they do to elevate themselves. And it's easy for them to do because they don't they don't have actual empathy. Is she, lo- is she like a large mom? <laughs> You're still asking. Oh, she's big. Yeah. She's like a probably like a cool 260. Man, I got to see Big Patty. Yeah. Oh, crap. I'm just sitting here thinking all the worst possible. Yeah, well, a very funny thing about Big Patty is that Dennis Wilson of the Beach Boys, when he picked up... You know, like that's how Charles got hooked in with the Beach Boys is that two of the members of the family were hitchhiking and Dennis Wilson picked them up. It was uh, Patricia Krenwinkel, which is Big Patty, and Ella Jo Bailey. Um, and oh, dude, I forgot to fucking talk about old fucking Squeaky. He was like the paradox of this whole thing because, again, he would fuck anybody in that type of laissez-faire attitude is he fucking picked up this girl squeaky that was so attractive <laughs> especially for the time period dude like red-haired you know what i'm talking about right yeah um i fucked up on it getting her actual name down but who gives a shit at this point she's just squeaky she that's the one she fucking was in the family and she got out of going to jail for it but then she fucking pulled a gun on uh gerald ford the fucking president what? <laughs> and got locked up forever. Yeah, dude. <laughs> but she was like hot. <laughs> Hell yeah. You know that that fucking Republican bitch was just like, huh? Well, if someone's going to blow me away, I'd like a sexy lady like you to do any type of blowing, to be honest with the American people right now. Yeah. My favorite part about Gerald Ford was he was on that episode of the Simpsons mm-hmm. where like uh, Jimmy Carter lives next door to Homer and he feuds with him the whole time. They fucking hate each other. Yeah. And at the end of it, Gerald Ford ends up buying the house across the street. And he's like, Homer, do you like football, beer, and nachos? <laughs> like, oh, yes. <laughs> Man, Gerald Ford sounds cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in an episode of The Simpsons, he was. Yeah, he also almost got blown the fuck away by Squeaky. Oh, but. Uh, yeah, Ella Jo Bailey was the other girl that got picked up by um, Dennis Wilson. And he took them to the Pacific Palisades house, which is where they fucked did acid, did all types of drugs because Dennis Wilson was the only person who was tripping out around then. You know, if you've seen one of the saddest movies of all time is when he's talking about how he's trying to make pet sounds, which all the other Beach Boys hated because they were just trying to make fucking surf music and cum fucking ropes all over people. Yeah. And that's all they wanted to do is make beach tunes and bust fucking nuts. Ooh. And uh, Dennis fucked it all up by trying to make actual good, meaningful music. Yeah. And he just went insane trying to make this album with no support from anybody else. And he spent hours just toiling on little sounds. So he was also out of his fucking mind. And they took big time advantage of him. It's some sad ass shit. The Dennis Wilson saga is sad of its own, but that's not the focus of the story here. <clears throat> they came home 
the next day, like 3 a.m., um, from fucking Dennis Wilson and being at his recording session. And they were greeted in the driveway of uh, Charles' residence by him, who popped out of the house. I mean, Wilson was when they dro- when he dropped the girls off. He drove yeah. them back home. And supposedly, Wilson was uncomfortable. And uh, he figured because he was famous, he the Charles was going to start to try to try to roll him and shit, like try to fucking take what he's got, smack him around. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. As he could have easily done it, but the guy had just busted nuts and he was trying to, you know, keep the relationship open. Yeah. What do you ask Charles if he means him any harm? It's like, no, no, no. I love you. Like literally kisses his feet, rubs his back. It's like, I love what you're doing. And like starts telling him how great he is, which was like, this was again, he was so good at reading people because like I was saying is that Charles with his, like not Charles, Dennis Wilson with his band, the beach boys, they did not want any part of him at that time because he was making their, easygoing, uncomplicated music into this hard-to-do, overproduced, <clears throat> focusing on the wrong things, and taking drugs when they didn't believe in that sort of thing. He he just... And they treated him like shit. They, they hated what he was doing, but he was... Signed to the contracts, they wanted to steal the Beach Boys away from him. They wanted the money and to keep just making the easy formulated music that they had been. So his self esteem was at an all time low. That and he was not mentally well because he was obsessing over this album. So that's what he needed. He needed somebody to suck his dick, in, like proverbially. You know what I mean? To build him up. <clears throat> and so they became friends. Um, he, and uh, he had he had met Wilson like a year before. Because Manson went to buy weed from the same guy that Wilson was getting weed from. And then he brought that up. Like, yo, you don't remember me from this fucking time? And then, again, Wilson was like in a mania. So he didn't, but he went along with it. And then then that is where he felt comfortable. Like, well, I've known this guy for a year. And he hasn't hasn't tried to, like, rob me yet. So the drummer of the Beach Boys gives Charles his Sunset Boulevard address and says, like, hey, man, shoot over when you're in L.A., which you would not figure that a normal person would do because again, celebrities are just like that. Like he, they assume that this dude also was a musician. He had Brian Wilson vouch for him. He just figured he was like another guy. So he's like, yeah, man, drop by any time. You don't expect someone to actually do it. Yeah. You're just extending. I mean, it's not like you can become friends on Facebook or fucking text yeah. each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Woo. So <clears throat> as that starts to progress, he just starts showing up and he, he has about 18 women again. Remember, he took off with about nine. And so they just start showing up with the Sunset Boulevard house. And the fucking house was like, you know, mansion. It's the, the motherfucker paid like $100,000 a year to keep up for it. It's like what I mean for it being so nice. And they just fucking partied. And then they, he just got pissed off because he incurred the extra expense of like Manson's whole quote unquote family moved in. Like he brought the whole cult to the house, which was like. You would think from the inside, you would just look and say, okay, so this guy that's supposedly Jesus and against material things is clearly being a fucking bum and eating off of this motherfucker. And we are too, because of him, continuously. But, then, you know, no one saw it that way. They just saw it like, oh. And he would tell them, like, hey, I'm working with them. I'm making this music. Like, I'm part of this. Jesus led it. I'm Jesus. I led us here. This is the promised land. This is how we're going to get our people. This is how we're going to find all of the other original blood of Christianity is I'm going to get my music out through them. And then, you know, he wasn't even doing shit. You know what I'm saying? And uh, <clears throat> while he's there, he's just doing his fake guru shit. And he's giving Brian Wilson LSD and telling them like, 
how to fucking meditate and how to get in touch with the universe and how is Jesus. And Wilson liked him a lot, dude, is like the problem of it all. Mm-hmm. He liked to spend time around him. He liked to take acid. He liked to hear crazy shit. And the women that he, Charles brought into the house were like being old school servants. Like, you know how you think about like an Egyptian prince laying back with like Cleopatra's fucking tits half hanging out, feeding him grapes on a bed. They were really doing shit like that. They yeah. were like fucking rubbing their feet all the time, bringing Ooh. them drinks, taking care of them when they took too much acid, getting weed for them, running fucking errands for Brian Wilson, doing everything. And then Wilson went so far as to pay for studio time to record Manson's fucking album. <laughs> Once he heard it, he was pissed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Once he finally got a taste of what the music was actually like on record. And uh, but because of that connection, that's the thing is like you louse off people. You used he used Brian Wilson vouching for him to try to weasel his way in on everything else, which is like a disgusting thing that happens with comedy all the time. Yeah. Like, oh, man, you're you're friends with this person. I'm friends with this person. Like, I'm going to come through your area. Why don't you give me a show? And then you end up losing money because they don't draw people and then they do a shitty job to the people that you drew and you just ruin your hometown fucking scene. And their go-to is like, well, I'm a vegan. Yeah. (laughs) 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 All right, man. (laughs) I'm a good person. Yeah, and and, and also, again, because of the time, like, what's popular right now is just, like, counterculture hippie shit. Yeah. And because that's going on, Charles, to some like tastemakers, people who make albums, people who are involved in television, people who are looking for people to make money off of, he is appealing. I mean, he's an attractive guy. Uh, he's got a whole group of women that are half attractive following him around. He's an artist. He's a philosopher. He's a guru. In their minds, they're like, yo, we could do something with this guy. So that is a terrible fucking way to treat his ego like that's not what he needs at the time no that's fuel on an out of control fire already now out of this whole thing he ends up getting a hold of the property spawns movie ranch it's not too far away from topanga canyon boulevard this is august of 1968 brian wilson did not throw charles manson out brian wilson's manager and his brother got together to get charles manson out of there because they could not get through to brian wilson at all to stop doing crazy shit and taking acid all the time with Charles around. He's having too much fun. So they have to evict this guy who drained him of like $150,000 worth of expenses and shit. Got to get him the fuck away from Brian Wilson. They know that. And they also want to try to get control of the Beach Boys. And it's also Brian Wilson's descent into insanity. I mean, I think he ended up being checked into a psychiatric home for years after Pet Sounds was made. Sad story. And uh, Charles Manson, like I said, again, right place, right time. But the reason why he ended up like that is because he read Brian Wilson like a goddamn kid's book front to back right away. He knew that he needed somebody to just sing his praises. People that are uh, institutionalized are really good at that because they're like they're like reverse psychologists. Like uh, they I mean, they read you and they diagnose you right off the bat. They know like there's something weak about you they can capitalize on. Right. And that's what I mean. it, It. you know, you were like thinking, oh, he's been in prison. He's a dumb fuck. And it's like, no, nah, man. The whole time he's been in prison, he hasn't done any type of reforming. All he's done is just fucking fuck, <laughs> fuck, bust, and, and, and play learn guitar. and learn how to prey on people. You yeah, know? learn how to be a fucking pimp. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he's a master of that. Now, the fifty-five anchor ranch that they took hold on. It was used for a television and movie set when they would make spaghetti westerns, western movies. I mean, that's where they filmed <laughs> Bonanza, The Outlaw, 
the creeping terror. Like it was basically a manufactured fucking desert ranch that was unpopulated by the late seven, the late sixties, all the buildings had deteriorated. Their only way that the ranch was making money is because they would do like tourist horseback rides. Yeah. It's like, Oh, you want to come and ride the dusty trails of the set to Bonanza. <laughs> come on down and jack this horse off. Yeah, that's a sex spaghetti. A sex spaghetti western. <laughs> oh, I wonder why you laughed. Just because you heard spaghetti? Ah, <laughs> uh, fuck. <laughs> Dude, that is truly the greatest thing that pubes have ever been called before. <laughs> sex spaghetti? Yeah. I call butter sex and lettuce. And why is that? Because it's like fucking, uh, you know, when people toss your salad. Yeah. You got that sex lettuce. <laughs> Dude, you're truly an innovator of terms for body hair. <laughs> I love it, man. Hey, I like I wish it. I could go. I wish I could be a, a fucking sex stylist. Yeah, it's like, dude, if no, nothing stopped Charles Manson, why are you not a guru? Because you just have, like, this whole thing. Yeah. Like, you help people out, and you could just put the word sex in front of anything and yeah. make it fucking hilarious. That's what would draw people in. Man, think about You're like you, the main selling point of this. Like, think about you pulling up some nice fucking oils and a nice fucking <laughs> pair of clippers and just yeah. fucking trimming up any type of like your ass, your fucking. <laughs> but I like style it. I got faded and shit. Oh, yeah, dude. Your whole selling point is like, come by and meditate while the guru, Buddy Lloyd, gives your asshole a tight fade. Man, think about getting rid <laughs> You're like cutting lines into yeah. butt hair. Yeah, man. <laughs> like, here's Dude. your part. Let's give your ass hair a hard part. <laughs> yeah, man, I get some Rufio's, you know? Like, you, you fucking... Uh, Rufio's? Yeah, you know, he's got those lines cut his hair and hook. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, like, yeah, but what you do is you rub them down with some nice oils, but you don't cut the hair fast, because you want them to have their time. Or they got, yeah, they're, they're meditating, right? They're like, man, they're... Yeah, they're they're spreaditating. Yeah, man. Dude, how is tantric sex not called spreaditating? I don't know. Did somebody fucked up bad that's in that department. Listen, man. They're spreaditating. You were saying how dumb you were? That's pretty fucking smart, man. <laughs> we're, we're the new gurus of spreaditation. Man, we gotta write a book <laughs> on spreaditation. Jesus has come back to Earth and he wants to split you open and fill you with girth. Listen, man. All that shit, you know, starting with wheels is essential. Yeah, you know? oh yeah, that is true. That's essential. But then you go to the fucking <laughs> clippers, man. You you put a guard on, you know, you get it down you go mm. no guard, then you go uh, like a one. Yeah. And then you go a three. And yeah. you're just fading that ass hair. And yeah. then you let Who somebody, doesn't like a nice clean fade? And, and then you let somebody stick it in dry. But those oils are still no, you kinda, can't you can't dude, you can't go in an ass dry. No, but you have to spread the tape. Oh yeah. yeah, so you okay? So the spreadation is you yeah, mentally. It's, dry. it's before you light the being incense. able to dry open hole. Incense is dry. You can't sure. light the flame of sex. And that, that, this would be right great for that. bowel movements as well. Yeah, you man. wouldn't get hemorrhoids anymore. Yeah, you could. You get so good at just spreading ass. Yeah. That you can just fucking let the shit fall out where it may. Well, it's just a, that's it's a, a relaxed lifestyle. Well, this is that's like, what Jesus was. That's what all historical hippies: Jesus, Charles Manson, Gandhi was looking for is just the maximum relaxation if you take the struggle away from shitting yeah and anal sex then you've really mastered it well you need some help whenever you're you when the sex ketchup has got to go you know sex ketchup (laughs) 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 you gotta get that sounds like something from whataburger dude yeah but what you do i mean you gotta get a knife in that motherfucker to get it out right Mm. so if you got a shit that's a doug stanhope joke is it really yeah you know it is is it really you know it is no, I don't. But it's like, oh yeah, uh, yeah, I got a shit so bad from my fucking uh, drinking every night. I uh, got to take a 
a butter knife and stick it in my asshole and move it around until oh the shit God. comes out. Well, well, good on him. That's, <laughs> a, that's cool. Listen, but if you just try to break it up, man. You stick a dick in there. It's going to help you throw that shit up. That is true. That it's is like true. a finger whenever you're like, you got a fucking problem eating. Right. Like, I got I to gotta eat lean out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't shit. Yeah. Just shove a dick up there. Yeah. just But meditate, man. Think, think about us. Yeah. We're holy men. It. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, this shit, it, it markets itself. <laughs> Crap, man. <laughs> Woo. Yeah, so... Uh, you know, here we are living on this fucking ranch. They're giving out fucking horseback tours. So again, they don't own the property at all. They've just taken over squatting on it. And he has the family members do work. They clean the grounds up. They start fixing the property. Uh, you know, there's a 80 year old blind guy that owns the land that they that Charles is tricked into. Letting them live there. And guess how? I don't know. Pussy and the Jets. Bing, 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 bong, bing, 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 bing. Will and Ned Squeaky from has come to give dome to an old ass man. He's so used to coming in the toilet door into his hand. He opens all the doors of his ranch for a taste of some squeaky ass. Man, that's cool. Yeah, they win, dude. They, well, like, I, yeah, they, I was thinking about Pussy the Jet. I would absolutely, for access to an entire ranch, yeah, would you the, let an 80-year-old blind man beat guts? And also, who cares? Like, yo, Charles Manson doesn't judge people on What do you mean? Look. Like, would I let him? Like, yeah. Would I let him fuck my guts? Or would I let him fuck somebody else's guts? Yours. No. But if I'm going to let somebody else get fucked, and then I'm going to watch it. How do you let someone else get fucked? Well... They're in charge of their own holes. <laughs> you're you're doing pimp talk. Not when Charles is in charge. <laughs> that is true. Listen. Listen. If there's an 80-year-old guy and he can get his rod hard, why wouldn't you fuck that guy? I can think of a, so many reasons. Stinks. Hey, smells listen, bad. Somebody has sex with that lizard guy from Ripley's Believe It or Not. I fucking featured for that guy. You did. I absolutely. Oh, you were there. Yeah, yeah. I went, dude. The funniest thing about that whole thing for one, for one, that guy's super nice. Yeah, he's he, great. he is yeah. so nice that uh, <laughs> what I said, I was like, dude. I just gotta be honest with you. I remember seeing you on Ripley's Believe It or Not in the bedroom of my grandparents' house when I was like nine, and you came out and you were like half tattooed and you like split your tongue out. And I just remember going like, God damn, what a fag. (laughs) And he was like, he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was on that show. Like, he was super nice, dude. And that's like the first thing I said to that, dude. The funniest thing about that whole deal. And again, me saying fag, that's a nine-year-old kid in the middle of Missouri. I didn't know any better. Uh, Yeah, so then like our friend Andrew Polk. Said the funniest fucking thing about that. He's like, "Oh, you're 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 on the Lizard Man show, huh? Like, you're, are you gonna have to bring his hot rock out on stage for him?" <laughs> oh my! God. It's like, yeah. man, kudos. Yeah, that guy's like was, sixty, but he's still fucking. You know, he's got abs. It's he's working weird. out, dude. You know, it's cool. He's hanging stuff from his dick. Yeah, man. He's got a strong ass dick. Hey, he did some weird shit with his nose, where he like shoved some kind of sword through his nose or some shit. Yeah, yo. Listen, people like that are fucking, dude. There's Listen, if an 80-year-old guy can get a bone without a med. Sure. 
then you just have to spread. <laughs> uh, look out for the fucking spiritual guidebook spreadation. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna do like uh, like a like a fucking fifty page one. You know, they gotta yeah. be short because that's how the fucking hair Christians yeah. do. They do short ones. Yeah, but you know, and also like I said, that they were taking advantage of this guy. I mean, he like the women were serving him. They're being seeing eye guides, taking him around the property, working on the property. Uh, in fact, the reason that fucking uh, Lynette Fromm got the nickname Squeaky is because she often squeaked when Spans pinched her thigh. <laughs> That's oh. not funny at all. Uh, <laughs> then uh, Charles Watson soon joined the group at the ranch. And he was a small town Texan who quit college, moved to California because he wanted to be an actor. He met Manson at Dennis Wilson's house. Independently met Dennis Wilson, came to a party at his house, met Charles Watson. George Spann named him Tex because of his Texan drawl. So he was like, well, let me tell y'all something. I have come from deep in the heart of Texas. And I'll tell you one thing right now. I love to fuck Poon. If y'all got a bunch of poon land around, I might as well take the fucking it. <laughs> just lay the fuck around, huh? <laughs> like chewing tobacco. It just now, lays around. Charles, I've heard that sometimes if the situation is right, you might fuck a man's ass. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you were to go to fucking some of that extra poon tang y'all got, you could probably get to fucking my ass while I'm fucking some of that tang. Yeah. I like a little dollop of daisy in the old baked potato. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You going to spread me wide open, grill me up. Listen, I like a smoked baked potato. Right. Have you ever had one of them? A smoked baked potato? A smoked baked potato. Nah, dude. Wouldn't it just be a smoked potato? It is a smoked p- potato, pretty much. But at what point did they get baked and also smoked? Well, they get baked, but then they get smoked meat in them with some beans and some cheeses. Oh, yeah. I've had that before for sure. Boy, I love it. You did such a sincere smack of your lips. Oh man! Like I when most when people want to make like a, when people want to make the sound effect of something being delicious, they'll just be like, "Yep, yep, yep, that's good." But you man. like drew back from within your throat to to control the moisture that literally formulated as you I described what a smoked potato is. Love <laughs> barbecue. Yeah, for sure. Listen, man. I fucking love <laughs> Listen, barbecue. Man. <laughs> when a motherfucker, right. very profound. When a now mo- imagine yeah. spreadating and let that barbecue dump just I'm doing slide out with no potato. fucking pain at all. <laughs> hey, yo, yo. <laughs> Only listen, fucking idiots like in the north or where, like California, all that shit. They're like trying to make uh, barbecue offensive. That's a four. That's a, a fucking poor person's food. Sure. When you take a baked potato and you slap a fucking brisket in that boy, yeah. and you put a little cheese, a little sauce, yeah. some beans and some sour cream, yeah. you have fucking made me come. I don't even have to eat it. I can come with looking at a picture of it. I can, <laughs> yeah, is that true? I can Google Is it. that true? I can, yeah. You can bust? I can Google right now. You can bust on site? I'll just fucking shoot. A no-touch bust oh. on a fucking potato? Hey, I'm dangerous for 72 hours after that. <laughs> Dangerous. Dangerous. <laughs> I ain't Because you got a pants full of bust and you yeah. don't change them for three days. <laughs> and then what I do is I fucking grab a hold of them. <laughs> like a like a fucking mustard bottle, man. And I start squeezing away. Because I got to yeah. get that cum out of my britches, man. Yeah. You know? Now, uh, I don't want to fucking sound sexist here, but fact of the matter is to get 
his vision enacted. Manson needs a man or two around. Plus, there's tons of fucking ting tang that needs to be smacked up. You know yeah. what I mean? And Charles has only got one big ass dick to go around. Yeah. Now, by the time November of 68 has rolled around, Manson has established another headquarters, which was like a bug out area for them in Death Valley. That's where they took over the same type of shit, unused or barely used ranches. Uh, There was Myers Ranch and there was Barker Ranch. Now, Barker's Ranch was named because of Ma Barker, because Charles Manson idolized the Ma Barker gang. In fact, the dude creepy that taught him to play guitar was in prison for killing like 13 or 14 people when he was part of the Ma Barker gang in the 30s. I'm going to give you a whole backstory on that, but it's a hard ass fucking old timey shoot em up mafia type of oh, liquor yeah. moving bank robbing ass whooping game man and that's the type of shit that charles manson idolized let me tell you all something <clears throat> y'all motherfuckers if we didn't have the internet around we didn't have all this shit we'd be in the mob barker game dude it's hard yo crime was so tight before cameras yeah I, you had to go out of your way to get caught there's a reason why al capone could murder and steal and sell fucking contraband for 20 fucking years without getting caught because there was no video fucking proof of it. It was all hearsay. Like Jesse James would rob banks and be like, listen up, you fucking retards. It's me, Jesse James, fucking your ass and taking your money. (laughs) And they'd be like, Jesse James was here. They'd be like, describe him. Like, well, he was a man. And that's all the fuck you had. You couldn't do shit about it, bitch. The golden age of thievery, dude. God damn, dude. Just having a good old fucking time. Man, that's cool. You (laughs) rob a bank and you fucking shoot up at the ceiling and let them know who the fuck you were and build. That's cool. That's fuck. Yeah, like bank robbery, train robbery, all that shit was the fucking illest. Yeah. Oh, man. What I would give to be a part of that. You just to go back in time. Like, I don't. It's not like I love the fucking steal and shit. No, man. But I fucking love to have fun, my man. What a hard way to just fucking wild out and get fucking loose. If I could go any way, it would be like just fucking steal from banks forever. And then the cops just fucking be like, you're going down a deep, dark path, son. We're going to kill you. And be like, that's fine, pigs, because I'm going to take some of y'all out before you take me out. (laughs) That's cool. That's what I want to do. But I can't. I can't. We can't. You know you want to do that, too. Who are you talking to? This is the people you. of you. Oh, yeah. You. Oh, yeah, of course I do. Man, that just take a couple of law dogs out. Dude, you know what I've on what I think about all the time is like, all right, so the Matrix is really not that off base. Like they're not no. they are not far away from having technology where you could just go into an entire fantasy universe and be completely detached from your physical body. Yeah, man. Please do that to me when I die, but send me to like the fucking like either let me be in the fucking Scandinavia mm-hmm. in like the 1300s yeah, or put me in like just put me let me be what I am. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let me go be a fucking barbarian somewhere. Just put Damn, me out there. That's it. Let me fucking smoke meat, yeah. get into battles, take mushrooms, drink liquor. Get, yeah. Fuck. That's all Man, I want. I just that's I don't it. like I don't like working. I don't like the internet. I'll drink to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you are not tuned into YouTube and you're only listening on iTunes, buddy has essentially killed an entire pint of Canadian mist by this point. It's more than a pint. How much is that? It's less than a fifth, but it's more than a pint. Seven hundred and fifty milliliters. Uh, I got you. <laughs> 
Who can take me and I don't know. Let me see you suck me slow. Buddy's drunk. <laughs> so the Myers Ranch is where the group initially headed, and it was owned by the grandmother of, of Catherine Giles, who was a new member of the family. The second ranch was owned by an elderly woman, Arlene Baker, who Manson pretended himself... Uh, Manson presented himself as a male member of a fucking band, a group of musicians, and they needed a place to get together and work on their album. Uh, and again, her name was Barker, and Manson created this fucking fantasy in his head that she was related to Ma Barker. It was like him seeing the gods lay out a fucking path for him. <laughs> I love it when you're so drunk. I look over to you because I said something that's like a point that needs to be known, and you're just fucking lean back in your chair. Like, yeah, uh, I was just thinking about fucking turning a bank over. Man. <laughs> <laughs> We've lost him on that for the entire episode. Hey, folks. I want to turn a bank over. There's but no way he's coming back. If you could turn a bank over, but there's a rallies, right. man. Ooh. You made them fries with the rallies. <laughs> <laughs> now, a uh, funny thing is that because like the Manson family had worked hard and fucking improved Span's movie ranch. And because they hung out with that old dude and like helped him out, jacked him off, all that good shit. Uh, the lady did not get the same treatment. Uh, they all, what he did to string her along is said they were going to work on it. And they never did, but to keep her happy, he gave her a Beach Boy golden record, which he had gotten like seven of them from Brian Wilson when they were hanging out there. I don't know. I, he says they were given to him in his autobiography. He probably fucking yoinked that shit. You know what I'm saying? But uh, back at Span Ranch. Spam Ranch? Span. S-P-A-H-N. Uh, <laughs> but I wish it was. Spam yeah. Ranch is where I want to live. Yeah, man. Uh, Manson and Watson visited uh, Topanga Canyon acquaintance. Who played them? The Beatles recently released double LP, self-titled, aka the fucking White Album. Ooh, <laughs> that's yeah. When I heard this shit, I was like, "Could you please turn this off? Because it fucking sucks." This is the worst thing I've ever heard. When Charles Manson heard, he was just like, "Oh God, yeah. finally something for me." Finally, God has reached down from the heavens sonically to induce my eardrums into gassing all over my shirt. No fucking album makes me want to blow my brains out more. <laughs> I fucking hate the Beatles. This <laughs> shit is terrible. Go There's off. nothing worse than the Beatles. Speak on it. <laughs> I'd rather listen to Nickelback. I'd rather listen to Five Finger really, Death Yeah. You'd rather listen to Five Finger Death Punch than the, the Beatles. Absolutely. Dude, now I'm not going to ride for the Beatles, but give me a fucking no, break. I'm not. That is truly. After, if you listen, if you don't check out our YouTube Five Minutes to Bone album reviews, we literally listened to an entire Five Finger Death Punch album this week, and I'm, I'm it's the, for sure the worst thing I've ever heard. No, man. It's it, the worst thing I've ever if, heard. If I'm now, ha I would rather yeah. listen to ICP than the Beatles. That's yeah. a fair point. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. a fair point. No. I don't want to listen to ICP, but I do I do not want to listen to the Beatles less. Yeah. But, it, but I would rather listen to the Beatles than fucking... Look, I would rather listen to the Beatles than Nickelback. I would rather listen to the Beatles than Buckcherry. I would rather listen to the Beatles than Disturbed. No. that's I mean, they're around that level to me, but dude, give me a fucking break. If You're I'm, full of shit right if now. I'm, no, I'm not. Five Finger Death Point. That's the worst music if ever. I'm fucking in, ever, in a midlife. Ever. I'd rather listen to the in Crash Test Dummies anthology. I'd rather listen to Gallagher's stand-up comedy. Yeah. The last thing that I ever want to do again is listen to fucking Five Finger Death Punch. I'm just telling you, the Beatles is it for me. If I'm in a midlife <laughs> crisis, 
And I'm like, fuck, I'm going to end it all right now tonight. And then somebody's like talking me down. And then somebody goes with a megaphone and they just play the Beatles. I just fucking go. You're just doing the mass shooting. I'm fucking. No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm blowing my brain smooth out of my head on everybody trying to save me. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I fucking hate that shit. That don't. I fucking. <laughs> listen, if you like the Beatles. And that's whatever. Sure. But, and I'm sure there's good qualities about you. But that's one of the worst qualities about you as a human being is that you like the Beatles. The Beatles suck. That shit's fucking terrible. It truly is. And that, that you know, the the most important thing to say about them being terrible is how the fuck did this dude get so fucking wrapped up in this shit? I mean, it just took over him. Like, I have gone deep into some albums. It's like, dude, prob- like the first time I heard Integrity, um... Was the song fucking Misha. Yeah. And then I went out immediately and got Systems Overload. Yeah. Hard. <laughs> Dude, but I listen, I'm telling you, day in and day out for a year, I'll listen to that. Every time I had music on, it was that. I yeah. be fucking fell, it became my thing. I loved it more than anything. But I never, like, there's no spiritual connection to it. Like there's no like this is a gr- this is what my life is about. But dude, it just took over him, which is what happens when you're fucking crazy. Like this is where it shines through. Like you've had all these powers to manipulate people and take people the way you want them to go, but then something gets your ass and something sucks you in because you are fucking crazy and you can't control it. And all the things that you've been doing where you look like this genius and this god are going to get unwound. But it's this is the beginning. And he became totally obsessed with the Beatles altogether. He told the family that the Beatles were the soul and part of the whole of the infinite and what drove him that he communicated with all of the Beatles telepathically like I was saying earlier and that they were guiding him down the path he wanted to and that because and then this is where the Helter Skelter thing came from the song on the White Album and for a long time Manson had been talking about racial tension that did for sure exist between black and whites and it was growing all across America in his mind that black people were going to rise up and take over everything in America through acts of violent rebellion. When Martin Luther King got shot on April 4th, 1968, he told everyone to get ready because this was by design. The Beatles told him through Helter Skelter, which was the race war, that because Martin Luther King got shot, this is where they were going to start at to prepare and bug out to one of these more desolate ranches and get away from the city. He said that the Beatles saw the end times coming and that they told him about it directly. That's the reason that they made the album. This is the mania that he was going through. And I mean, he really believed it. I'm telling you right now. He was not using this as a direct way to manipulate people. He This was mania. He yeah. believed this wholeheartedly. And I believe that. I believe that, too. I believe that, that that was probably really why. I mean, this is why I don't fucking like the Beatles. Fuck this shit. <laughs> this is terrible. That is fucking true. Music. That is a fact. Oh, fuck, man. I wish I had a gun right now so I could blow my brains out. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, you heard fucking... Help. <laughs> oh, man. Huh, don't. Oh, the hard day's night. Yeah, this is it. I can't even think of Beatles songs, dude. That shit is Imagine Buddy Lloyd splattering his brains. It's so bad. Imagine you in the gym crushing massive gains. Imagine you spreaditating, letting shit drop right out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm I dude it fucking slow. I would run <laughs> to a wood chipper before yeah. I listen to another Beatles song. <laughs> yeah. 
sure about that, dude. I was, that seems a little. I will fucking <laughs> that seems die. A extreme, dude. All I'm gonna do on the way home is play exclusively. Oh, the fucking. Beatles. I'll jump out of your car. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, you know. This influenced so much. He's wilding out. Early in January 1969, he convinced the family that they were escaping from this racial tension. They went um, into the place where they could, quote, unquote, monitor Los Angeles and see this all pop off. They moved into a canary yellow home in Canoga Park, which wasn't too far from the Spawn Ranch, because you could always stay close to there. He picked it out because of its correlation to the Beatles album, The Yellow Submarine, which is what he called the house. And they were going to prepare for the upcoming apocalypse, which was called Helter Skelter, and that, that was going to be initiated by racial war. And he thought that he was basically saying that they just said that like the duality of Jesus and Satan, black and white, back and forth. There's a good, there's a bad. Eventually, they'll all meet. The the battle rise above the fucking good. Um, they they created an album, it was, or they're supposed to create an album with Charles. That was the entire family involved, and uh, <laughs> you know. He knows he's crazy because he can't stop to recognize that his music fucking sucks. This is what I never understand about when terrible music comes out. There's like five people in a band. None of those five people stops to go, guys, listen, this shit fucking sucks. Could we possibly make improvements upon this in the following ways? No, but what happens is everybody goes, this has changed my life. This is so fucking good. <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess what? And I could come out to my family. Yeah. You know, I fucking hate this shit. Yeah, so the idea is that it. they're going to create this masterpiece album where it's got subtle undertones that were similar to the Beatles, and they would trigger the predicted chaos with this album. They were going to kick it off. There would be gruesome murders of whites by black people that would be met with retaliation by white people, and that would cause a split that would go starting with racist white people to work its way all the way up to non-racist white people that would force them into the fight by seeing what was going on because they didn't want to go through annihilation at the hands of black people. The idea of the album was also that if the blacks triumphed over the human race, that the whites would merely proceed by being ruled by the family. So now... If they could kick this off, if they could write this album to be the proletariat of the entire event, that essentially he would be the Jesus that he is in Armageddon, and they would come out of the bottomless pit, which was supposedly the secret city beneath their ranch in Death Valley, and be triumphant. And these people, the original Christians, would come together and rule over the entire earth, and that all the fucking black people would be enslaved to them after they conquered the white race. You just solidified my hatred for Beatles. <laughs> It just keeps going back to the I Beatles. Fucking hate them. Like they're actually saying this shit. Oh, that would be the best part. Is if like, what if that was actually what the Beatles album was about, and Charles Manson was the only person to ever figure it out? <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> it's gotta be. Yeah, for sure. That is what makes sense. Out of everyone that ever lived, Charles Manson's the only person who unlocked the truth. Oh, what are those songs about? Nobody knows. Yeah, except for the Beatles and Charles Manson. Yeah, so at the Canoga Park House, where there's a Canary House where they're living, family members worked on cars to prepare for this shit. They looked over maps to just find a desolate place in the desert that they could retreat to if shit popped off. And they worked on fucking songs. So, you know, basically doomsday preppers. It's like an episode of doomsday preppers right now. 
Do they have crazy, dumb fucking beliefs? Absolutely. But are they causing any harm right now? Eh, not really. I mean, some crazy fucking race war ideas that that's not, that's not good for anybody, but they're not hurting anything at this point in time. And you just really have cemented his hold on a large group of people. Because what have we learned so far in our fucking podcast and throughout just paying attention to this shit over our lifespan is that the way to make a successful cult is by isolating people, forcing them to work, forcing them to have projects, taking away their sleep, taking away their freedom, taking them away from the people they know, the people they love, anyone that could talk them into leaving insanity. Now they're out in the middle of nowhere. They're working on cars. They're studying maps. They're coming together with plans for Armageddon. They're writing songs. Constantly wrapped up in shit. No way to contact the outside world. Following this insane fuck who thinks that the Beatles are telling him that the race war is coming. Mm. That's where we're at right now. Why not? What I was thinking about when I was writing this thing is like, what if instead of Brian Wilson, Charles Manson would have met Bruce Springsteen, the fucking boss? Well, that would have been cooler. Way cooler. He'd be like, I would have had more respect. I have more respect. Oh, man. You know, I just was, uh, it was uh, me and the big guy, Clarence, and we were blowing through Los Angeles, and man, we ran across this uh, crazy cat, Charles Manson, and I was keen to working on old Corvettes and uh, lifting weights and Charles came to me with the idea that I was doing too much spraining. Yeah. straining. I could just learn how to spread a tape, relax my asshole yeah. and I would think about Clarence the big man, how hard he could blow the fuck out of a saxophone with his lung capacity and I thought, you know what Charles, maybe you're right I gotta learn to spread a tape Will you come over, Charles Manson, and fuck me, Bruce Springsteen, in my asshole? Yeah, that would be a cooler crew. I have more respect for people that fuck dogs and people that are fans of the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> you're still going. You're just like Charles Manson. You're so fixated on the Beatles, you can't break away from the rest of it. Yeah, except he likes them. <laughs> I hate Charles Manson. Yeah. To me, this is the most uninteresting motherfucker that there is. Yeah. He's just a piece of shit. Yeah, I mean, dude, you know, the thing about Charles Manson, and again, like, it, it's funny how it's this whole thing has flowed to me with the mass shooting that just happened, cult mentality. That's the interesting. It's not so much interesting as it is crazy just to see cults form. To me, this is one of the most insane cult activities because again there was no formal plan like people were just so eager to look for something to follow that an absolute fucking moron could just stumble along and be like habity bibbity gibbity look at the Beatles and me and the race war and the coming times I'm Jesus fuck my ass and just pull people out of their lives and suck them into the desert and do crazy shit like be hot as fuck and fuck an 80 year old man really just anything to say fuck you dad that's all this is yeah that's really all this yeah, this time period is that but that's what's interesting about Charles Manson to me is just how ridiculous the whole thing was and that people fucking fell for it I mean they fell for it fell for it and uh, you know like I can understand if I, if I look at Jonestown like Jim Jones preyed on poor minorities and he preached socialism <laughs> To their community, which, like, 
if you're if you have nothing and there's a man who's telling you fuck what you've learned what we can do is break away and start our own community and the only thing that matters in that community is anyone in that community and anyone's welcome to be a part of it and all we're going to do is create a utopia where everyone's equal we all work together if you're not rich if you have nothing and your life is hard as fuck and someone tells you that that you could have utopia by way of just putting in work yeah, you don't have a problem with working. You like I I see how people can fall for that. Well, here's the problem with that is that if the the leader's white and he's talking about that kind of shit, that's the problem. That's the problem. But you get what I'm saying, right? Yeah. What Charles yeah. Manson did not have a pitch like that at no. all. He just f- flew by night. Fly by night with gay bullshit. <laughs> Pretty much, man. But yeah, that's uh, part two of Charles. We got one more, which of course is when the murders happen. His crazy legal fucking bullshit happens. We'll look forward to seeing you next time. Uh, suck Bruce Springsteen's dick, America. We'll yeah. talk to you soon. Wait, no, 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 wait a minute. We got a song, dude. We did it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Deicide. Yeah, deicide. Lunatics of God creation. Yes, because Charles Manson is a lunatic. Back to the Beatles. Wow. <laughs> All right. How did America just honk that up? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Fuck. a good thing John Lennon got shot in the face. We'll see you next time. <laughs> yes, it is. There is no death. It's death. You feel it